men have been softened up. It don't care if it hurts your feelings or not. It just keeps rolling. You gotta be ready to take criticism because that criticism is what's gonna allow you to get better. You need to be responsible for everything that happens in your life, period. When I started making the knives for United States Navy SEAL teams, they were my biggest supporters, but they were my harshest critics. That man packs a punch, man. He catches you with that punch, that's rough. But he does not have great footwork. You're a man living in the modern world in a time when men and manhood are not what they once were. You live life on your own terms. You're self-sufficient. You think for yourself, and you march to the beat of your own drum. When life knocks you down, you get back up, because in your gut, you know that's what men do. You're a badass and a warrior, and on the days when you forget, we are here to remind you who you really are. Welcome to the Cyberman Podcast. I'm your host, Nikki Ballou. I'm here with a man that I greatly respect. This man is a man's man, and honestly, he understands more about what it takes to be uh, a good man than pretty much anyone I know. He also happens to be a legendary knife maker and one of the most successful pro-American, pro-freedom businessmen in this world. I'm speaking, of course, of the one and only Ernest Emerson. Welcome to the show, Ernest. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you for that uh, glowing introduction, Nikki. I, I hope I can live up to those standards that you've just set. Hey, <laughs> Absolutely, my man. Absolutely, you can. You're Ernest Emerson. So it's great wow. to be here. I'm really glad to have my hug knife with me. You know, this is just such a beautiful knife. I tell you, these rich light handles, they feel so smooth in the hand. They're just, you great. know what? It's almost like they give off a warmth. I, I don't it's know true. how to describe it. It's I love true. the feeling. Yeah, it's true. Like I, I just pull this thing out and I hold it in my hand just because. You know, well, just because. you know, it's, it's funny. Crazy. It's funny you say that because I do the same thing. I'll be ha I'll be just sitting there with my knife in my hand, and I'm wondering, you know, how weird would this look to somebody who just happened to, <laughs> no, who didn't right. know me? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. What are you doing with that thing in your hand, bud? Yeah. <laughs> like, oh hey, man, I'm just, I'm just admiring it. That's all. And, and this, this sheath. I mean, it's just an old-fashioned leather sheath. You know, it's, it, it, it just, the knife sits perfectly in it. You know, the handles out. It, it, it's just gorgeous. I just, I gotta say, Thank the you. Huck is one of my top five all-time knives, in my opinion, uh, of any it's, kind. So. It's funny how something so simple um, is. Clicks off all those boxes, I guess. Yeah, you know, it's yeah, not, no, it's not fancy. It's not intricate. It's just plain simple. I guess it's like the Japanese sword. Yeah. U ultimate expression of simplicity, but absolutely beautiful as a piece of art, too, at the same time. Not that that hook is a piece of art, but... It is a piece of art, in my You opinion. get the point. Yeah, yeah, I do get the point. Okay. So, so Ernest, we've started the Sovereign Man podcast, and the reason that we started this podcast is because... I believe we're living in a time in the world where um, men are lost and society, especially elements of the wokest, uh, you know, uh, Marxist fascists that are trying to shut down free speech for all the rest of us um, is attacking men and boys and the very concept of masculinity. They're coming up with crazy terms like toxic masculinity, and they're, they're trying to make men ashamed of being men. And part of the reason we, we do this podcast and we create a sovereign man movement is because we want to help men be proud of being men again. And I couldn't think of a better person to explore some of these topics with than you, because I know at the last uh, Blade Show, you actually did a talk directly aimed at men. Can you talk a little yeah. bit about that and why you thought it was important to do that talk? Well, uh, it's funny. I, I grabbed that, my notes on that, and I have them here because I thought... Maybe this will fit in with the topic that we're discussing. So you've you've prefaced that, uh, and it is uh, a talk that I give. In fact, I'm I'm actually giving it uh, also at the Blade Show West, uh, which will be October fifth and sixth, I believe, out here in Long Beach, California. So yeah. uh, that's my plug for that. But it's it's I I don't make any money or anything on it. it it's it's strictly me being able to expound on some of the ideals and the things that I think. Uh, we should all 
hear about as as men and as fathers and as mentors and all of the above. Uh, yeah, the 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 topic of it is the quest for the uncommon man. Now, why did I choose that? Because, like you said, we're being assailed as men, I guess, in society and culture that. Uh, it's now uncommon for someone to act like I was raised or maybe you were raised uh, as men, our definition of manhood, masculinity, all of those things. Now that's an uncommon thing because we're not even supposed to go there uh, because we're going to offend someone somehow or another. I don't, I don't know. Uh, being men, uh, I got it. We're the ones who go to war and we're the ones who go out and fight in the streets and we're the ones that, you know, uh, commit most of the crimes that exist on the planet. Are That's all men. I got it. But at the same time, I think men have been the, you know, I, don't read me wrong on this. We, we, women are the cement. Men are the bricks, mm-hmm. I, I guess. If, if well you said. Could, yeah. Uh, the women... Women run the world basically through the men, but the men are the ones, we're the government mules. And I've always thought that uh, kind of down that same road uh, is that we're the protectors and we are the breadwinners and we are the the people that are responsible for the safety of our family and also for the safety of, of all others, children, women, men, doesn't matter, animals, the whole nine yards, the earth for that matter. Uh, but that is not, uh, I don't want anyone to ever misread that that is something to the exclusion of the role that women play in society. Uh, it's not. It's just that I am a man, so I'm talking about the things I believe men should be. And yeah, I, I've, I've seen it firsthand, not not with my son. Don't get me wrong there, because we've, we've raised a really strong... <laughs> masculine man in our in our uh, house but i have seen it firsthand uh with other with some of his friends uh the when he was in high school i saw it with a lot of the kids that were in school and things because we were interactive with sports and meeting different you know just the involvement that you have in school and yeah it's i at the risk of kind of using a cliche um men have been softened up and, and I think there has been an, a, an actual effort, and I, I, maybe it's coming from a whole bunch of different directions, but the end result is the same. There's an, there's an effort out there to uh, soften us up and make us, uh, uh, I guess, less um, toxic in their terms. Than, <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I was funny because I was, when, I, when I was given that uh, – talk at the blade show i said you know i'm talking about things like basic you know open the door for a woman and uh you know say yes ma'am and please and thank you and have manners and all that and i said now that's kind of fallen under the the category of if you do those kind of things you're starting to be toxic masculinity and I, i don't get it uh there's a big difference between civility and uh and bad behavior. And I think we need a lot more civility, but um, I'm kind of rambling on about that. But the, the thing, like I said, that the word uncommon now uh, describes most of the types of men that I respected as a, um, as a, as a young man or a child. Um, And I really want, I want, I don't think that's a bad thing to, to, um, now, I'm not talking about all of the social issues that are being bandied about these days, because, you know, if, some, if something's wrong, it's wrong. But being a man, I don't think is being wrong. And I think you and I are going to discuss some of the things that, you know, both you and I uh, put under that definition. What is a man? You know, what should a man be? Uh, so that's kind that's, of where I'm at. With it. It's a it's 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 a fantastic topic. So let me ask you the question. What is the essence of being a man in your view? Well, basically taking the responsibility for 
being the best person that you can be. That's that's a basic building block for uh, being being whoever you are in life. Uh, you take you take ultimate responsibility for everything that happens to you, because if I don't do that, I am giving up the control of my life mentally or imaginal, imaginatively, if that's a word, to some outside force. And the minute that you give up control to an outside force, whether real or imagined, you're no longer in control. So everything that you do from that point forward uh, is up to someone else or something else or the pressures of society. Uh, my I had a revelation many, many, many years ago uh, that you, you, you need to be responsible for everything that happens in your life, period. Because if I can cause, by doing stupid things, bad things to happen to me, why can't I just eliminate doing all those stupid things <laughs> and do things that make good things happen to me? Now, that sounds like a little bit of selfishness in there, but here's the deal. Unless I'm the best person that I can be, I can't be that same person to others. In other words, I got to get my ship together before I can put passengers on it and take them somewhere. And, and I think that uh, a lot of people are in a canoe that's just floating down the river and they don't have a paddle. And they're hoping that they get to the to the destination just by chance or by the wind or by the current or by someone else shoving them in the right direction. Um, I think that's one thing that is being taken away from us. It's not necessarily a masculine thing, but again, I'm addressing men because we have to. That's who I am. I'm a man, and I I can understand men. Uh, better than I can understand women. I, I, in fact, <laughs> I think that's been one of the, the major problems for all of mankind for millions of years is we don't really talk to each other um, from the same platform, men and women. And I, I got it. I'm making fun. But um, men are from Mars, women are from Venus, whatever that that old thing was. Uh, but, you know, the thing about it is it's literally taking responsibility for everything that you do. Now, um, that involves some self-courage uh, because how do I take responsibility for everything that I do if I can't do honest, objective self-evaluation? I cannot improve myself if I don't know what's wrong with me. Well, we all know what's wrong with us. Most of us ignore it. We know, uh, you know what? I know that I'm too short with my wife. I know I'm too short with my kids. I might be a demanding person, little things like that. I need to be able to look in that mirror and say, you know what? You've got some work to do. You need to improve on these things. Because again, if I'm not fixed, I can't be a mentor or uh, a role model or do the best job as a father or running a business or anything like that. Um, and running a business, it's, Here's a little aside. When people, they come to me and say, hey, Ernie, uh, how can I be a better businessman? I get that all the time, at, especially at, at venues and things like that, because there's a lot of people that are starting out in, in, in my craft, whether it's knife making or having a company or a anything. And they'll say, how can I be a better businessman? And I give them an answer that they really don't expect. I said, here, here it is. It's simple. Be a better person. If you're a better person, you will be a better businessman. It's so true. Yeah, because there's no separation. This is church and state. You are who you are, and everything that you do at that point is who you are. And uh, I think we need to, to be aware of that because, again, without that self-honest and brutal self-evaluation, uh, how do you improve? Uh, if, you, if you relate it to sports, uh, let's say boxing, because I'm – I have a very high interest in it. I've done it for years and years and years. And I always tell people, look, when, when I, when, when I was boxing, if, if I have a, an, in a match, um, if I win, um, I learn about the, the opponent. 
But if I lose, I learn about myself mm. because then I see, uh-oh, he's getting off a little faster. I'm not in the right position. He's beating me to the punch. He's, he's circling me and, and cutting me off. Those are the things that I, if I won every match, let's say, how would I know where my deficits were? Uh, and if I ignore the fact or begrudge the fact that I get beaten or bested, or lose, uh, you don't get the opportunity to say every single loss, whether it's in the ring or in life, every single loss is a lesson that you need to pay attention to and learn from. Because if you don't, you're never going to reach your potential. And I'm, I'm one of those guys that follows the, 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 uh, what uh, David Goggins uh, calls the 40% rule. Mm-hmm. Most people, most people quit at 40% and think they've given hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. There's still, a, there's still a lot of you left. And unless you push yourself uh, constantly uh, against those barriers and take that extra step, um, you're never going to know what your hundred percent is. And uh, again, so being a man, I guess it's, kind of having the self-courage uh, to be honest with yourself and not play a, a charade where you're trying to, don't fool yourself. In fact, uh, I listen to Dennis Prager all the time. And, and he said uh, the other day, it was so funny because I was like, damn, this is right on. He said, I just got it. If I could uh, create the 11th commandment, it would be don't fool yourself. And I was like, Man, that guy is so smart that he, he can that he can smart. bring bring something down to three words, and it makes all kinds of sense. But anyway, I'm I'm getting off on a tangent. But uh, back to when I said, how how do you know when you're what to improve on unless you uh, lose? Well, let's look at a, something that's happening and has, has been happening now with the sports where there, there is no winner or the loser. There is no grades that are be given, being given uh, in schools and a lot of school environments and things like that. Well, for gosh sakes, yeah, I don't care that you got an A and I got a C. That, that's, they're misreading this entire situation. If you got an A and I got a C, then I got to say to myself, how the hell did Nikki get an A? What did he do? And what do I need to do to get that A next? And it's, it's not, if you can't handle, you can't handle the truth. To, you know, if you can't handle the truth, how are you going to handle life? Um, it's, you need to be able to lose and pick yourself off up off the ground and improve yourself so that next time you're going to do better. Um, and I, as a coach, cause I was coaching little league uh, for a while when my son was at that age, I actually saw kids who would hit the ball, yep. get thrown out at first base and on the way back to the um, dugout, start crying. And I'm like, what are you crying about? And, and, you know, almost unconsolable crying. And then all the, all of a sudden the mom would run out and, you know, have to put her arms around him. And I'm like, wait a minute, number one, you don't belong in my dugout. (laughs) Number two, that boy's got to learn that just because he gets thrown out at first base, it ain't the end of the world, but it points out and, and that things like that happened much more often than when I was 12 or 13 years old. Let me, let me tell you that. Um, the, I think that we've we've started to coddle these young children to way too much. Not, yeah, not to hurt their feelings and not give them that sense of competition. For gosh sakes, Nick, come on. What do we compete for? We compete for a job. We compete for the for a mate. We compete for everything. At every level in our life. That's that's life. That's not masculinity. The, women compete for this for the same things. What do you call that? Toxic femininity? No. No. We're getting lumped into this bushel basket of BS that is assailing all of the good things. I'm not saying men are perfect. For gosh sakes, there's things that need to be fixed. But at the same time, 
don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. For gosh sakes, there's a lot of good in having a good, strong male section of society. Um, one of the things that I, I also tell people is like, you know, I grew up on a farm. You want to deal with reality. You, you want to see your, your pet uh, that you love dearly uh, get killed because a cow stepped on it. Or you want to see a baby calf that you're pulling out because it's breech and it dies right in front of you. You want to see a, an animal uh, get caught up in barbed wire and maybe have to put it down. You, people that grow up on these farms, you get a healthy dose of, oh, shit, things don't always go the way I want them to go. And farm life, to, to just stay on that subject for a minute. It don't care if it hurts your feelings or not. It just no, keeps it rolling. Yeah. So, you know, not everybody can grow up on a farm and not everybody has. But I think one of the things we also need to, to uh, be aware of is we need sports. And, and I think all young men should be encouraged to in, participate in sports in general. And I don't mean, well, I just wanted to be a wrestler. You know what? I got it. You want to be a wrestler? We're going to. We're going to let you wrestle all you want, but I want you to also participate on a team sport. You want to play basketball? Fine. We're going to have you play basketball, but I also want you to, in, to compete on an individual sport because there's two separate things that can be learned there. One is teamwork and, and being part of a team for a greater good. The other th one is when you're on the mat by yourself, you're on the mat by yourself. And that causes a lot of character building uh, in and of itself. So, uh, you know, people ask me again, when I talk to sports teams and things like that, or groups similar, you know, I always raise the question. I say, look, I want to know who's the best player on the team. You know, I'm talking to a football team or, you know, a basketball team or baseball team, whatever. I want to know who, who's the best player. Well, Joe is, cause he's, he can, hit a home run whenever he gets up or Bob's the best running back because, you know, he's really hard to tackle. And I go, no, that may be those people might be the best player on the team, but you know who it really is the best player on the team, the best team player, mm. because he supports all of the other players. And if we can all be that best team player in life, and in business, and in marriage, and everything else, uh, man, you're gonna you're gonna succeed, hands down. But a lot of people never get those experiences. That's why I'm so big on now. Now I'm working on all my grandkids. Uh, they need to be in sports. They need to be in soccer. They need to be in basketball. They need to be in baseball. They need to mm -hmm. they need to go to jujitsu. They learn. They need to learn how to box. All of those things, um, I think. Uh, they're to me, they're uh, honestly, gosh, I, I guess I'm successful. Uh, my sports and athletic careers have probably done more to contribute to my success than anything I ever learned in any class that I ever took. And, and I, I, I have more than a, a, a four year degree. Let's just say that. Uh, so, why would I say that? Because participating in those types of events taught me how to lose. They taught me how to improve. They taught me how to be introspective. They taught me that I can't always do the things that I like doing. I need to do the things that I should be doing or that I have to be doing to improve myself. It's like um, you look at guys that work out. Oh, my gosh. Look at that guy. has got... 20 inch biceps and a 50 inch chest and all that. Wait a minute. What's going on with his legs? He's got chicken legs. Bench press specialist. Yes, sir. And you know why? There's a reason. The hardest exercise in weight training that exists. Squats. Is the squat. So what is the one that most people always avoid? Because it's Squats. fun to, yeah, it's fun Squats. to bench press and it's fun to do curls and you're looking in the mirror, blah, blah, blah. Doing squats makes you 
the strongest person that you can be in terms of weight training. And guess what? My favorite exercise of all time. Me too. Me too. And I freaking loved it. I loved the pain. I loved the, uh, the burn. I loved just feeling like I stuck. You just sucked all the wind. Yeah. Yeah. Beast. But anyway, again, you know, you see those types of things and you wonder why that is. Well, because it's more difficult because it, be, it requires more effort. It requires some pain. It requires you facing the, the fact that, you know what, man, I can bench press 350 pounds. Oh, I don't want to go over there because I, I can't squat more than 200 pounds. And you know, I don't want to look like a wuss. And for, you know what? See, that's, that's part of that whole thing. Dude, be who you are. I've never given a hoot about what people thought of me. So I don't have to worry about any of that stuff. Again, when you, when you look at how are you going to be the best person you are, if you're true to your convictions, then Nikki, you could think I'm the biggest jerk that walked the face of the earth. And that's okay. It's not going to make me not like you. It's not going to make me modify my behavior because we all know right from wrong, no matter what. Now, if you look at it, the right side of left and the left side of, uh, excuse me, the right side of wrong and the left side of wrong, we all know that some, somewhere in between there is our general consensus for correct and moral ethical behavior. So I don't care who you are. Well, he didn't know right from wrong. Yeah, he did. We all do because we all have a consensus generally. I always look at it and say, you know what? How is this person? Is that a guy that I would want my daughter to date? Is that a girl I'd want my, my son to date? Because if it is, then I know they're pretty much between those two sidelines or, or, or sides of the road. And, and I've kind of used that as a self-checking evaluation on stuff like that. And I've, all, I've also said, look, you know what? Be the man that you would want your daughter to marry. Because... <laughs> So we true. want our daughters to marry the perfect guy. Um, you you got to be a perfect guy too, because, you know, there's not, and I'm not a perfect guy. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that, but there's too few of them. That's why it's an uncommon man. Anyway, sorry, sorry to keep rambling on. I hope it makes some sense to somebody. Yeah. So I want to read a quote for you because there's a few points there that you made that I think are important to expand upon. So you're talking about, kids getting participation trophies, especially young boys and men. So here's a quote from David Data, who wrote a book called The Way of the Superior Man, which every man should read. A man's capacity to receive another man's direct criticism is a measure of his capacity to receive masculine energy. If he doesn't have a good relationship to masculine energy, e.g. his father, then he will act like a woman and be hurt or defensive rather than make use of other men's criticism. So. To me, what that says is that you got to be ready to take criticism from good men who mean you well, because that criticism is what's going to allow you to get better, right? Absolutely. If, if you're not willing to take another man's criticism, you're a pussy. You know, it's that simple. Well, you know, you're right. And I'll, I'll tell you, um, <laughs> we deal with that a lot. And I deal with it as, a, as the owner of a business people have really thin skins. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know what? Stand in front of a Marine Corps DI for a few minutes. You want to, you want to find out what criticism is all about. And, you know, so me telling you that you need to be here on time uh, after you're late four times this week, that's not a Marine Corps DI <laughs> telling you that, you know, <laughs> that's me just telling you the truth. And if you can't take that, then you're going to get crushed in life. And you will be one of those guys who always wonders, how come I didn't get a raise? How come I didn't get a promotion? How come that guy got uh, a better job? How come that guy drives a, uh, a new car? You know, again, you reap what you sow. That, I mean, the, the Bible is actually so full of, of truisms. And when I say truism, I mean, that's because they're true. And we, we take a lot of those things for granted as being cliche or, you know, kind of hokey to say stuff like that. They're real. 
they're, they're there to improve your lot in life. And, um, you know, being able to take criticism for God's sakes, I'm married to an Italian wife, so <laughs> I know all about criticism. <laughs> sure. But, and I say that in jest, she's a, she's a wonderful, beautiful lady that I, I love dearly. But for example, um, let's, let's just take an, a, an example from my life, my uh, adult life. Um, when I started making the knives for the use by the United States Navy SEAL teams, um, they were, and I've always told people, they were my biggest supporters, but they were my harshest critics. And, and they were, they're used to an environment where they would, they, you know what, this is effed up. This doesn't work worth a, a, a darn. Uh, this is way messed up. What the heck were you thinking? And that, I guess my, my uh, not taking offense to that and saying, well, I'm the knife maker. What do you know about this? But rather going, you know what? I have one goal only, one goal only. You're going to go out and maybe put your life on the line for during the use of something that I created. So there's only one thing I have to do. I have to make that the best thing that I can possibly ever make for the environment and the use that it's intended. And they, if, if I were to say what was the biggest influence on my knife making career uh, physically, it was the fact that they would come and they would hammer me about things and go, and it's, you know, not that they're mean spirit or anything, but they're just really matter of fact. And, you know, don't do that. That's stupid. It's like, okay, I thought it was a pretty good idea, but they know more about this stuff than I do. So, yeah. you know, you got to be able to take that criticism because, honest, I think that was a big factor in my, I guess, growth as a knife maker. Uh, the the other thing too is the you've got to understand you don't know everything. We no person can ever know everything, and one of the things that I use when I um, am teaching the the either the the hand-to-hand combat and, and surviving inside the kill zone and things like that is a master and an expert is one who has mastered the basics. Most people, let's take it, let's go back to the weightlifting thing for a second. One of the most difficult drills to do in boxing is footwork. It's, it's not fun. Who doesn't want to go out and, and hit the heavy bag? I mean, that's, that's where the fun is. I mean, for gosh sakes, who, you know, you get to bang away like crazy, but I can't hit that heavy bag with all the force that I have unless my footwork is correct. And, and then there's a lot more to it, the, you know, their body mechanics and hip placement sure. and all that good stuff. Well, look but, at the two top heavyweights today, right? Like, uh, uh, Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder. So Deontay Wilder, that man yeah. packs a punch, man. He catches you with that punch. Mm-mm-mm, that's rough. But he does, he does not he does not have great footwork. It's clear he doesn't like practicing footwork. He likes hammering that punch. Yeah. And then you got Tyson Fury. Maybe he doesn't hit quite as hard as Deontay, but his footwork is insane. Yes. Insane. Like you can't touch that guy. You know, well, you can't hit what you can't six, see. And he's six <laughs> foot nine, 280 pounds. Like, I mean, come yeah. on, you figure you'd be able to hit a guy that big? Yeah, no kidding. That's a big target. That's a big target. You can't touch him. It's, it's funny because that, that brings to mind uh, Muhammad Ali. And he said, I didn't win my fights with my fists. I won them with my feet. He did. That was one of the things. Man, that dude had some serious footwork. Oh, for Maybe sure. Maybe the greatest of all time. I mean, that well, division anyways. That division yeah. anyways. There's certain a lot, certainly a lot of guys that tried to hit, copy his footwork. And, th- and that's another thing. That, again, let's just go there for a second. Uh, um, I am... I. Th- as a baseball player and a football player and a boxer and a martial arts guy and all that, I did something that, again, I self-discovered, not because I'm Einstein or anything. It was just that I was so into all these things that all of a sudden I was like, 
how do I get to be better? How do I get to be like this guy? Because I used role models. I used uh, Muhammad Ali, Joe Frazier, uh, and a any number of boxers, uh, Alexis Arguello, because he had such perfect body mechanics, uh, you know, uh, baseball, Sandy Koufax as a pitcher. I was just in love with his, with his body mechanics. Uh, Roger Maris as a hitter, Mickey Mantle as a hitter and all that. I, I looked at those guys and I studied their body mechanics and I tried to copy them. And if you think about it in simple, simple terms, what is a perfect copy of perfection is perfection. So I use these people. Um, believe me, I tried to have the footwork of Muhammad Ali and, and I never did, but I will guarantee you this. I learned how to hit a lot harder because I was copying a guy who was one of the best boxers of all times. Uh, baseball. I learned how to pitch by, by watching guys who I thought were the best in the world and taking their body mechanics and their motion and literally trying to be like a human, uh, uh, what do you call those guys that used to, uh, they'd imitate presidents and they'd imitate, uh, uh, movie stars. They had that voice thing and they, you, know, you guys I'm, like rich literal impersonators. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Impersonators. I tried to be one of those people that would be a, a, a perfect copy of what I wanted, what that person was that I was using as a role model or, or mentor or whatever. Uh, and again, you by doing that, um, it improved me. It improved my body mechanics. It improved everything that I did. But the, the only way that I could do that was again, it comes back to that little tiny thing. I have to realize I'm not the best. I have to know that I need to improve. And I have to be honest about, yeah, because again, as a coach, being around young men and uh, athletes my entire life, there were kids who just thought, you know, it's easy for me to make a shot. I don't have to practice. And it's like, dude, you know what? You're just going to be a guy who was a good shot. And maybe when you're 40 years old and you say, damn, maybe I should have practiced a little bit more. I might've got a college scholarship or I may end up have ended up being going into the, into the pros. It's because you thought you knew everything and you didn't leave that door open to continually improve yourself because improvement, that's a lifetime endeavor. You and I can sit here right now. I know you got it. You want to do the best at everything you can. And you know, and again, if I can be your critic, you're not there yet. Not even close. <laughs> you're not there yet. And, I, and I, I'm not saying that because I'm criticizing you per se, but I'm just saying, I know you realize it. So I can be honest with you and say, Nikki, keep hitting it hard because there's a ton of room left for everything in your life that you're, that you're still doing. We can never sit and rest on our laurels. Laurels. The I'm I'm a big student of history, and I, it brings to mind the uh, the victories when uh, in Rome, uh, the uh, the generals or whoever it would happen to be that would have a great victory over the Gauls or put down an uprising, and they would give them a victory, which was a big march and ceremony. They used to have a slave triumph. They call it the triumph. triumph. I'm sorry, that's exactly it. A triumph. They would have a slave in the chariot behind the guy with the gold. Uh, uh, laurel leaves or olive branches, whatever it was, um, whispering in his ear, you know, all glory is fleeting. And uh, yeah, remember, you're just a man. You're just yeah, mortal. Yeah, 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 that's it. So, you know, we all fall prey to it. We all like to um, um, think that we're good at stuff and, and we may well be, but are we the best that we can be? Are Have we, I'm so... If I, if I were to say, if you said, Ernie, what, what regret, do you have any regrets about your life? Oh, well, the first one would be, I wish I could do it all over again, exactly the same way that I did it. But the second one would be, you know what? I wish I had a few more years in me because there's so much more better things I could be or do that that's that is probably one of my prime regrets is that I'm just going to run out of time at some point and I still want to learn how to do this and I still want to improve you know myself to reach what I would call that um, 
what's the word I'm looking for? The, the ultimate, uh, um, you know, be all you can be the, the pinnacle. Yeah. To, to be, to be as good as you can ever be. And, uh, again, I think that's a mountain that if you're climbing it, you're not going to ever reach the peak. The peak's just going to keep growing up at the top. So you're always looking up at it. Uh, and, and I think again, you know, that's, that's a life lesson that, you know, young men, they're not getting stuff like that. They're not getting it. They're not getting, they're not getting it at home unless it's guys like you and me and the people in your audience. I mean, look, look at some of the biggest, most popular uh, people out there on the internet. It's, it's like the man spot, the survival skills, the, you know, man at work, ready man, uh, you know, et cetera. Uh, on top of all the tactical stuff that's, that's available out there, mm-hmm. men are, gra- we gravitate towards that stuff. And if that wasn't a fact, those things wouldn't exist. And, and again, people are going to probably jump all over me, but I don't think there's a lot of guys like you and me going to ballet sites to, to, <laughs> to learn about ballet. And, and believe me, I'm not putting anything down. I'm not, I could never be a ballet dancer. I don't think, cause I, those guys are great athletes and the women are too. But I, what I'm saying is that um, I'm willing to bet if you put together a grand total of all the people who go to those, the, the man skill uh, sites and man skill podcasts and all of those kind of things, I bet there's a lot more of them going there than there are to, to those other kind of sites. Well, come on, that's who we are. So are, are you going to be a leopard and change your spots? I don't think that's going to happen. You can be a better leopard, but you still got the spots, brother. And, and by God, uh, you know, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, you got to be, a, you got to be the leopard. So you can be a good leopard. Uh, you don't have to be the bad guy, but Anyway, I'm, I'm getting all spun up. Sorry. That's yeah, all good. So uh, another thing that you brought up, which I thought was very important, was distinction in team sports. Who's the best player on the team? The, the man who's the best team player. That reminds yeah. me of basketball in the 60s. There were two giants in the NBA then. One of them was a man named Wilt Chamberlain, who yes, are, on pure skill is the greatest of all time. Period, mm-hmm. full stop, end the story. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, I'm sorry, Michael Jordan. That, that man would have grabbed <laughs> Michael Jordan and, and dunked him in the basket. That's, that, that's just, it's, it's not even close, okay? Um, and then the other one was a man named uh, Bill Russell. Yes, sir. Bill Russell. Completely exact opposite. Bill Russell, on a one-on-one basis, was no Will Chamberlain. There was just like, yeah. I mean... You know, there's no question about it, but Bill Russell was the ultimate team player. Ultimate team player, yeah. And won 11 championships in 13 seasons. That is a feat that has never, ever, ever, ever. See, that's when I used to watch a lot of basketball, yeah. Uh, You know, again, mentioning Wilt, you know you're good when they change the rules of the game because because of you. Uh, But yes, Bill Russell was one of, and I I was a big fan of Wilt, uh, but at the same time, uh, you know, on that team was John Havlicek and and Bill Russell and uh, those guys. Bob Cousy and Sam Jones, a whole bunch of good dudes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, But Russell was one of those guys. He he was, what, he was 6'9 or something like that. And, uh, you know, but ultimate playmaker, you could always count on him. For God's sakes, he was one of the few player coaches that was ever successful. You know, what does that say about his, his wherewithal, if you will? So, you know, again, it just bothers me. Uh, and again, I'm going to, now I'm going to get a little bit political and you can steer me away or if you want, Nikki, I don't care. Uh, it's not going to hurt my feelings. <laughs> But if you are a person, when I said about that, you know, learn how to improve, to, to pick yourself up by the bootstraps and, you know, you get knocked down, by God, you better get up and, and shake it off and get going. Uh, what happens if I use the ultimate external, externalization for my problems as racism? Well, I can't, the reason I, uh, that I work in a car wash is because Racism kept me down. You know what? 
then how, and again, I ask this question so many times, how can people who come from the same exact environment, the same, whether there is racism or not, or to what degree it is or whatever, how can people come from those exact same environments, same ethnic groups, same family units, single mom, uh, you know, whatever, dad in prison, any, anything you want to say, no matter what category you create or pick out of uh, those segments of society that are uh, the downtrodden, if you will, or whatever, there are people that become hyper successful, that, that get to Harvard, that become the presidents of the United States, that become senators, that become doctors, that become lawyers. Why can't you do it? Part of the reason is, yes, you know, I'm not denying that there are, there's some merit to some of those things, but by God, if there is, you know what that tells me? I got to try harder. That's it. If I'm a short guy and I want to play in the NBA, I got to learn how to jump higher and I got to be fast on my feet and I got to be able to shoot from 40 feet out. Those are the things that you have to be able to. Spud Webb. Spud Webb. Yeah. Look at that. For God's sakes, I'll never be an NBA player because I'm what five six or something. Yeah, lo and behold, he won, he won the slam dunk competition, man. He beat Dominique <laughs> Wilkins. He beat the great Dominique Wilkins in the slam you're dunk. You're a basketball. You're a basketball guy. I can tell. But anyway, you know, okay. So, what's your excuse? You know what I'm saying? Uh, and again, look, I, I, my, my, for God's sakes, I'm from Iran. Okay, I'm a Christian from Iran. Back when I go. was a young man in, in Iran, actually, I wasn't even a young man. I was a boy in Iran. Trust me, the level of prejudice and discrimination against Christians and other non-Muslim oh. minorities is way higher there than anybody experiences about anything in the West. It's it, it's not oh even gosh. close. My father came from a dirt poor, ethnic uh, Assyrian Christian family, yep. and he raised himself to be, you know, a successful businessman, um, you know, got married, became an importer-exporter, yep. spoke several languages, brought his family to the West. And look, this is, this is the way I look at it. Like the people today that say, oh my God, this is this horrible racist place. I'm going, you don't even know what racism is. Shut yeah. the hell up. Yeah. Shut up. You don't know what it is. Stop acting like a snowflake because you're a snowflake. Yep, you don't you get are. it. You don't understand what the, it's an insult to people who've actually experienced real racism. Yeah. Like, you know, um, black folks in the United States in the forties, fifties, sixties, pre Martin Luther King. It's an insult yeah. to them. It's an insult to people like me who had a Molotov cocktail thrown through my family's bedroom window with a note attached to it saying, die Christian scum. It's an yeah. insult to all the people that ISIS has killed in the Middle East. It's an insult to Nelson Mandela and all the, the um, non-whites in, in South Africa prior to yeah. 1994. Just shut up. Stop. Stop. Well, You're embarrassing yourself when you keep talking about that. That's what I, what I say to these people because you don't know what it is. And, and it's simple as that. But listen, let's go back to the topic of men because we want to wrap this yep, up yep, around yep, that issue. Um, Let me just so, say this, Nick, uh, to cap that off in, in terms of me. Whenever I've had diversity in my life, when I thought things were effed up, one of the things that I would literally, I still do it to this day. You know what? If you think you got it bad, there's a billion people out there that have it a thousand times worse than you do so shut the f up and get get going so i'm with you on that i've never had the those types of situations uh, i guarantee you but um i, I know exactly what you're talking about being a, a student of history and current events and everything else yeah so go ahead nick i'm sorry 100 no it's all good so sovereign man podcast is about showing men how to become sovereign. What does it mean to be sovereign? Well, it means to have dominion over your own life. It means that you're self-sufficient financially. You can pay your bills. You can take care of the people in your life. It means that you're self-sufficient emotionally. You don't need anybody. You don't cling to somebody. You can live life on your own. It means you're self-sufficient intellectually. You don't look to other people to do your thinking for you. You don't outsource your thinking. You do your own thinking for you. It's very important to think for yourself. Right now, all around the world, there's been this COVID-19 pandemic and governments everywhere are have come out, rushed out a so-called vaccine and have said, hey, 
take this vaccine, take this vaccine, take this vaccine. Now, for some people, that's a really good idea. You know, if you're somebody with uh, comorbidities, if you're over yep. 80, um, yeah, definitely take the vaccine. Head on in. Some other people, you know, maybe not so much. If you're under the age of uh, 25 and the chance of you dying from this thing is 0.00002%, you know, and um, you're otherwise healthy. I mean, there are things about this vaccine that are risky. Perhaps you may want to decide not to do it. But right now, people are just trying to browbeat people. Oh, you got to do oh. this. You don't do this. I mean, screw that. You got to think for yourself. You, yeah. you got you to gotta also be self-sufficient uh, spiritually. You need yes. to have a relationship with your creator and with your God. Yeah. And you, but you, you need to be self-sufficient and don't look at everybody else. Tell you what to do, right? So there's... And, and you need to be self-sufficient physically, right? Yeah. Like, and I don't mean, you know, someone has a disability or an accident. That's not what I'm talking about. By physically, I mean, like, there's a lot of guys out there that if they don't get kissed by their, their wives or their women, they just, they just lose it. You know what I mean? Yeah. If they don't have a chance to, to have somebody around to squeeze in the hole, they, they just, they can't deal with it. You don't need any of those people. And that's what self-sufficiency is all about. And being sovereign is about having self-sufficiency as a man, of course, you want to have people in your life. Of course, you you want to be able to have vibrant discussions. But a sovereign man is a man who thinks for himself, stands on his own two feet, doesn't need anybody else. He wants people, but doesn't need them. And to me, that's the power of having these types of conversations because you're mm-hmm. a sovereign man. You think for yourself. You know, you've got your own opinions and ideas. And I wanted people listening to this podcast to be able to hear from you. Well, you know, it's funny. You brought something up that I just jotted down. If you can't be happy with yourself, if you're not happy with who you are, you're never going to be happy with others and nobody else is going to be happy with you. And when you talk about uh, uh, having a relationship with your creator, that that is the foundation stone that we all need to to, to be that, to, that rock. You know, we're the rock upon which Peter built the church. I think there's more to that saying than a physical place to worship. You're the rock. Who we become is what we build upon that rock. But you need that foundation. And that if you truly have that, bring on the hurricanes because it ain't going to budge me. And that's why I think it's important to uh, understand that once you have you got to think about this stuff. It's, Nikki, this, this stuff doesn't happen by itself. Yeah, you got to get inside and go, damn it, what do I need to do? What do I need to learn? What do I need to figure out? And once you start to do that, you, you're really putting, a, you're putting rebar in your soul. Let's just say that. And, and again, that's why it becomes important. When you say sovereign man, if you're true to your convictions, You'll never stand alone because, you know, that's, you're unassailable. I read some books one time and uh, it's actually a long, long time ago. I won't even tell you the name of the books because people will go, what the hell is he talking about? But they're, they, the books, it was a series of books. And one of the things they stressed was the idea of impeccability and that we should all strive for impeccability. And, and, you know, what does impeccability mean? And in my terms, it means that no one can find criticism in what I do. Because if I truly have, have, I guess, worked on my uh, um, goodness, then you can't, you can't, criticize goodness. It's just, how can you criticize goodness? Because if you have goodness in your soul, you are going to do the right thing. And there's, there's not going to be a decision about, should I do this? Or should I do the right thing? You, you, you don't even have to make those decisions. And again, that comes down to what I said about, you want to be a better businessman, be a better person. Because then all the decisions you make are going to be good decisions for, for other people. We all have to remember something else. Nobody lives alone. I, I understand exactly what you mean by the sovereign man. We are all individual pieces of a whole because we all live together and we all have to codepend on each other. So we all have to be a strong piece of rebar in that building 
of a community or a culture or a society. And unfortunately, there's a lot of wet noodles out there <laughs> that, that we got we to hold up their, their end of the bargain or their, their, their share of the load. And that's okay. That's part of being um, that uncommon man, that sovereign man, is you got to be willing to shoulder the responsibility. You know what? Not everybody's going to be David Goggins or not everybody's going to be Jesus Christ. I mean, for gosh sakes, the, the, you know, what he did knowing what was going to happen to him. Think about that. Crazy. I mean, it's the ultimate act of love. Who, who could do that? Yeah. I mean, I, I would like to. Oh my God. Yeah. So anyway, uh, yeah, it's, it's the sovereign man. And again, it's, it's little lessons that put, put, um, that go together as a puzzle to make the whole and to make the whole in terms of, of manhood or being that, that uncommon man or the sovereign man or the, the, uh, uh, reaching the, the, your, um, full potential is your puzzle might be completely different than mine. And you might have pieces missing here and there and there. And I have pieces missing here and there and there, but we all need to have some type of pieces that go into our life that push us in the right direction. And so when you say man skills and things like that, that you want to keep alive, kids, men, boys, girls, women, whatever, boys and girls alike, they need to under, they need to deal with stress. They need to deal with failure. They need to deal with effort, hard effort. They need to deal with discipline. You get up, you make your bed, you go to work on time. They need to deal with not complaining about things that really honest to God. My dad used to tell me, he said, Ernie, is, is, if you look back a year from now on what's bothering you, are you even going to remember what it is? That's how unimportant a lot of the things happen that, that we think are so important really are. They're unimportant. And all of those things are pieces of that puzzle. So, you know, whether I teach my son to, to box or I teach him to, you know, be a, uh, at work on time, whether I make him do things that uh, his other friends aren't doing, it's, it's part of those manhood skills that I'm trying to give him as many pieces of the puzzle as I can come up with so that in the end, he looks back and says, you know what? Thank goodness my dad uh, pointed me in the right direction and built that foundation for, for me now being uh, the father to another child, whether it's a boy Amen. or a girl. Yeah. I mean, that's very important. And I'll tell you, one of the things, um, as, we, as we wrap this up today, mm -hmm. yep. one of the things that has me be in touch with my manhood is being able to do tasks, being able to use tools, being able to, to, to do physical things. Absolutely. One of, the, one of the reasons why I, I have knives and I collect knives. And one of the things that I love about Emerson knives, I mean, this is a beautiful tool. You know, this is, when I hold on to this in my hand, I feel like a man because I could use this to accomplish a task that'll benefit me and the people that I love. And it, 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 it's a way to be in touch with the primal nature of a man where oh, he's yeah. out there and he's able to do things. So to me, one of the reasons I frankly believe the knife industry um, can, with some good marketing message, quadruple and even tenfold uh, size of the industry, uh, is if they start speaking to the connection between manhood, that emotion of being a masculine man and the tool of a knife. Because if yeah. you can speak to that, you're going to get a whole lot of men who are lost out there wanting to buy knives that currently don't buy knives, you know, and men today who do buy knives, they're going to buy more knives because of the connection between a knife and a man and the essence of manhood. And one of the reasons I wanted you to be on the show today is because Emerson knives and Ernest Emerson personify this tool and having this tool in the hands of a man doing work is something that speaks to me at the level of my soul. So thank you. Well, Nikki, again, I'm, I'm flattered. Uh, I really am. Thank you for the wonderful analysis of that too, which I believe is spot on. Um, the, 
that's man's oldest tool, by the way. It so is. it's been with us for a long, long yeah. time. And you know what's funny? How many things exist now today that were back there when we were first, first walking upright uh, and, and shaping or flinting uh sharp rocks to to use as a tool uh there's very few things that have stayed with us uh for our entire existence the knife is one of them in fact uh i remember a few years ago i think it was forbes magazine pulled a hundred uh quote unquote important people from scientists to uh futurists to, to you know authors everything and they they had them rank the the top five tools of, or top five inventions uh, of mankind's history, you know, fire and all that good stuff. Guess what was number one? The knife. Knife. The most important invention ever created by man because it led to every other invention being able to be created, which I'm kind of proud to be part of that uh, legacy, I guess. Uh, yeah, as you should be. As you yeah. should be. That's why I'm proud to, to own Emerson knives and in particular, oh, for gosh this, sakes. this is my knife, but I'm, uh, I, I'm also proud to have a friendship with you to be able to talk about these issues and learn about your thinking around them and uh, to explore new, new ways to collaborate with you, my friend. So. Yeah. Well, you know, let me say this. Uh, I have to give a disclaimer out to all of your uh, viewers and listeners. Nikki isn't on my payroll. So <laughs> those are non-solicited uh, uh, solicitations. Uh, you thank go. you. I really yeah, appreciate it. I know you. Um, and have known you for quite a while now. You're you're a squared away guy, and you have sure. a message that I think uh, you're aware of that needs to get out there, and that you're you're doing the things that I wish I had the time to do, uh, because I like what you're doing. And Thanks, uh, <laughs> you know Thanks. what what a good feeling. I mean, honest to God, think about it. You put your head down on the pillow at night, and you've actually done something good. You've helped someone. Uh, get a direction in their life. Uh, it, it's how many people get to see that? I mean, really, you, you know, honestly, I'm grateful that I get to say it. Uh, Hell and, yeah. Uh, it's a, it's a good thing. You know, I, um, we, we had uh, some clients that we just recently signed up into our um, entrepreneur community into one of mm -hmm. them. And it's a husband and wife mm -hmm. uh, from Louisiana and, and the wife, she does Reiki um, for, women suffering from postpartum depression. Mm -hmm. So we were chatting with her. And she was, you know, I said, so how's it going? And she's such a sweet, lovely, feminine lady. And she was saying, oh, it's so great. Um, you know, I, I have some opportunities to, to do some joint collaboration with people. And she told me about all the good things going on in her little business, which she's doing part-time, right? Mm -hmm. And I said, did you sign anybody up? She goes, oh, yeah, I signed three people up. They're paying me to, to work with them. I said, you should have led with that. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you should have led with that. But that's fantastic. You know, yeah. Feels good. Feels it good feels when so someone good. who's a little hesitant and uncertain about putting themselves out there and asking for money for their services goes out mm -hmm. there and does it and gets some success. That felt good. That felt really well, good. You're, you know, it's it, Wayne Gretzky, who you probably know right, of. <laughs> he said you'll never make the shot you didn't take that's right and there you have it there you have it well listen ernie, ernie thanks for being on the sovereign man podcast and my pleasure uh, you know it's great to great to have this conversation with you let's definitely do it again um in the Anytime, future any place and listen whenever you get your own show uh Start it up again. <laughs> Bring me on. I want to be on the Ernest Emerson podcast. Oh, I, I will, and and it's it's funny because again, I, I again without sounding too egotistical, with success comes busyness, yes. and uh, you know, I've always been one of those people that <laughs> my wife says, "You always bite off more than you can chew," and I go, "Well, honey." <laughs> <laughs> that's part of that challenge uh, to see if I can do what I've set out to do, but it does come with some, uh, it comes with a, with a responsibility to make sure that everything's running good at the business and uh, the work that I need to do uh, and all that. So yeah, long story, but it's, um, I am going to be getting the podcast up and running again. And I'm, I'm I, looking forward to it. Looking forward I've got, to it. You've had some great guests on. Well, you. like like you, uh, there's a synergy here, and I think it's kind of magnetic at times. People 
when people identify with something, they want to they want to be part of it too. And so again, you, if you do the right thing, and you uh, you live a life that is what you see is what you get. Man, that's an inspiration to people, and they want to rub shoulders with you. Uh, and I think that's I've seen it with your podcast and everything that you do. For God's sakes, uh, thanks. Uh, you know, you got great people going on too. And and I I don't think that you had to go out and knock on a lot of doors after a while. I think a lot of them <laughs> are now knocking on your door. So, yeah, it's uh, a beautiful thing. Yeah, it's thank you. Thing. It's been a it's been a super pleasure. Uh, Ditto. And and thank you to all uh, of your viewers and listeners for. For listening to me ramble on to take it for what it's worth but uh um really appreciate it i know the guys that are listening to you are the are my kind of people so um well, i'll share i'll, I'll share a beer or a shot of whiskey <laughs> or or a good joke with any of them anytime awesome anytime. thanks Ernie. you got it nikki thank you appreciate it get up get up bye-bye thank you for listening to the sovereign man podcast If you're ready to take charge of your life and become the man you've always wanted to be, we invite you to join the movement at SovereignMan.ca.